Automation. When you hear that word, what comes to mind? Efficiency. High-speed systems. And fewer errors. But there can be negative implications, too. Like robots stealing jobs. However, the core issue is not automation. Whether you like it or not, robots are here to stay. This means we need to embrace an automation mindset. And this book offers four simple steps to keep you in the game. And make your job even more valuable. No matter how advanced automation around you becomes. It's time for this week's book, Reinventing Jobs. Welcome back. You're listening to Motivation Minute, where we unravel the timeless truths in this stack of books you've been wanting to read so that you don't have to. This week's book is Reinventing Jobs, a four-step approach for applying automation to work. The whole concept is we have automation coming in now. You think about, you go to the bank, you talk to an ATM now, not a bank teller. Well, sometimes. See, we used to think it's bad that we were having ATMs. But what happened with ATMs was it was not the end of bank tellers like we thought. It turned out that bank tellers became a more valuable, complex, high-level kind of role in a mm. bank than they ever were before, right. thanks to right. automation. Right. I think it's not as simple as just automation and robots replacing your jobs. I think it's it's uh, deeper than that. It's like it actually creates, um, it creates more jobs. I think... Uh, you know, this isn't exactly what the book was about, but I think the idea of robots taking our jobs away is is kind of a scarcity mindset. I think if we think it a different way, it's like okay, new more more technology comes in, creates new opportunities, new things, which creates more jobs, yeah. which creates more things for people to do as well. I don't think robots are going to be creating more robots that are creating jobs for robots anytime soon. <laughs> right, it might happen eventually, but not right now. And I think this book is a response to, well, kind of a response to the rise of the robots mm. that we covered a long time ago. And that one was like, robots are taking over, get out of the way. This one's like, well, embrace them. Mm. And like you were saying, it's not about like robots just taking over and us being left with nothing. The whole change is that our goal should be to optimize when we use humans and automation and how to couple those together. Mm -hmm. So it's not like just asking which jobs will be replaced by automation. It's more, how will my job change in response to automation? Mm -hmm. And how can you optimize the combination of humans and machines to actually be more efficient and, and do more things and get more things done? You know, I think we that's happened as far in our, even in our personal lives, you know, you could say that new technology came in and, oh, now we don't have to do anything anymore. No, we still have tons of things to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. Just, I, and obviously a lot of that is, is time wasted, but there's also, we can actually do more. You can accomplish a lot more in a day than you could 100 years ago, that's for sure. You know, you can do way more that's going to make a bigger difference at the end of the year for companies or, or, or the human race, I guess, in general, <laughs> you know, than you could 100 years ago. So the good news is this book has four steps to make your automation kick into high gear. You ready for the first one? Mm -hmm. So the first step to automating things is to deconstruct the challenge or the problem into its simplest parts. Mm. Okay. So this is where you decide like the different functions of what you're trying to automate. And 
the book gave a few categories to sort things in, like, is this task repetitive or variable? Or is this task independent or interactive or physical or mental? And in those three categories, depending on which side of the fence that task sits on, that gives you clues as to how to automate it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of this depends too on the type of business or company because some companies, construction companies or something, they don't have as much, at least right now, as many options for automation or like compared to like software or something that could be optimized through, you know, artificial intelligence or something possibly, right? More likely than than certain, than other tasks. But in some ways, you could think of a system as an automated process. Even though you're manually doing it, it's something that you do the same way over and over. So you're kind of automating the task. Right. Is this something that would apply to that, like automating a job? Like, could it could that include, you know, get, getting more efficient tools? Absolutely. So, like, whether a a certain new tool could increase the pr- productivity of a certain job, you know, whether or not, and that's actually to do with um, step two of how, you know, how much does a a an improvement of a specific task, how much does it positively affect the overall uh, company. So ROIP, like, which was return on invested performance. Yep. So like in the example of tools, um, let's say, you know, and this has happened in my, my family's business where my, you know, one owner was arguing, we need to get this new equipment, these new battery chainsaws or whatever, they're going to be way better and they're going to make everything faster, more efficient. And the other guy was arguing, no, we don't need to get them. You know, we're going to spend thousands of dollars. It's not going to help us that much or get things actually done faster. We could just use the same old equipment for a long time and not spend more money. So it's like that's an interesting thing to think about when you're improving a specific um, task in, a, in, in any job um, is to think about, okay, is it worth improving? How much does improving this one task, you know, how much will that affect the end result of the company in a year? Maybe it's not worth it. You know, a good example that puts this in perspective uh, that the book talked about was where to automate in a flight environment, meaning you've got pilots and flight attendants. What should you automate? And the book gave a graph showing like the value to an organization that a pilot and a flight attendant bring and the time it would take to automate their uh, tasks uh, on the other axis. And basically what it showed was with pilots, the more you automate, you don't get the same bang for your buck. Okay. Because all you're going to be doing is making the cockpit safer. Sure, that's a great thing. But contrast that with a flight attendant, which the book brought up. If you gave them AR glasses that could show the customer's name in the seat they're sitting, what their preferences are, and like dietary restrictions and all those things, <laughs> that would become an extremely personal touch that right. would boost customer satisfaction through the roof right. versus a pilot getting a better flight deck. Nobody cares. They're still going from A to B and all they care is it's smooth. Exactly. And so there are different places where you can get bigger bang for your buck in your automation investment. Yeah, I think a lot of, of us are not aware of this. Like business owners, they're like, oh, let's just improve this random thing in the business. Um, without Because we like uh, to automate anything. Right, That's right. the goal. Yeah, well, I think it comes from not looking at the big picture and not understanding, like you talked about in the book, what is a job, like our uh-huh. our, under, our concept of a job. But anyway, if you don't understand that and break it down into this, 
you could just improve certain things that are not going to give you a high return on investment when you really should be improving a whole nother part of the company. And that could be something as simple as, okay, maybe improving your relationships with your employees. Maybe that is going to have a far greater ROI yep. at the end of the year than improving you know, some equipment. I just had this happen in my job. So I wrote uh, some code that I was kind of bored one morning. So I decided to write a, some code that would uh, solve this big pain point whenever you uh, check code out of our repositories. And we have like two or 300 repositories we draw from. Uh, you have to put your password in on every operation you do as you're doing this. And that means two to three times every single time you modify code. And it's frustrating. You have to do this all the time. I wrote some quick code so that you never have to do that again. And I threw this script up on our uh, network and a few people started using it. And, you know, I use it all the time. It's great. It solves a lot of problems. Then a couple weeks ago, I decided, well, that was a success because people I talked to really like it. I'll make a script that checks out all of our repositories at once so that you never have to check out another repository ever again, which for me is painful <laughs> because you have to copy a whole line of code that would check it out and then do the checkout and update it to the latest code and all this complicated stuff. I scripted it and nobody really cared. I'm like, why? This seems so much better. And it was a lot harder to script that than the password thing. Uh. And I realized that checking out code wasn't as big a pain point because you only do that once in a while. Okay. A password, every time you change code, which is what we're doing every day, you have to put your password in. And that really bugged people. Hmm. Interesting. So so you you did something um that Im that improved the um your that improved your value to the company, right? Beyond yeah. beyond just doing a your standard Assigned job. Assigned task. And I think I think our kind of our mentality of of jobs is in some ways like very kind of basic and, and limited. Um, and it depends what you want to do. Of course, there's jobs where you can do the same thing your whole life and some people want to do that. But like I think a job, we just call it a job when it's actually a set of, there's so much more to a job than, than what we think. Like there's all kinds of dynamics. There's your personality, your skills, um, you know, your specific, there's lots of different skills that work together for to complete one job. And I talked about how we can break down jobs into like disassemble, deconstruct a job into a group of tasks and figure out what needs to happen. You know, what are some ways to complete the individual tasks? Could we do it a different way? Um, it talked about things like rather than thinking of your company as something that completes all the work in-house and does all the work itself within people within the company, what if you could think of your company more as a hub where you collaborate with other people, other companies, where you could actually get a lot more done. And that's what I've kind of done um, in our in our business. We've um, we started like out, instead of thinking we need to do everything ourselves, all our own editing, all our, all our own everything, we've um, hired people online to do some of our, huh. our, our editing for our videos, which frees up time for us. But here's the thing. Because of that, we're able to hopefully make more money and grow the company, which means we're going to yep. hire, hire more people. And it's going to continue growing. It doesn't eliminate jobs. It just expands our company and creates and makes us be able to do a lot more um, with the same amount of people. Whereas otherwise, we might never grow and actually never hire more people. That's interesting about the collaboration thing because you not only collaborate with people, but this book talks about collaborating with robots where it's acceptable or collaborating with automation. Mm. And 
uh, we use this at work because we have a build server where we build our code. And we constantly have errors when we build the code. But rather than us typing in line by line how to build code so that it can run, we let the server do that. And then we let it show errors to us when there's errors. So we only process the errors when it reports them to us. But if it's successful, we don't have to worry about it. Mm. That's a really good example of working with right. a robot that handles things for you. You know, I think this is a little different, but like I think having like the mindset of kind of like more of an entrepreneurial mindset versus a employee mindset, I think in a way you could look at it that way because yeah. when you have that, like you do you do different things like you just did by, you know, making a script for the code to automate some things in your company. But like you can do some things like that where you where you aren't set to to one specific task and you think there's oh there's no way either I do it or I don't the robot takes my job or it doesn't no there's ways you, to you can you know grow and change um, and if you have like the entrepreneur mindset you're able to kind of do that and that takes time and, and a different a different way of thinking and I think we've just become so used to the you know the the quote you know job idea mentality. That people are just, that's just normal. But it didn't used to be normal. We've only had that concept since the uh, Industrial Revolution. And it was a totally different mindset back then. It wasn't, oh, you get a job and do it. No, you figure it out. You do different things. You you make your own, you know, you have your own farm. You have your own means of production and your own business thing. and Adapting, basically. Yeah, and if, if a new technology came along, like like robots, you didn't, like, freak out. Oh, it's no, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to use that and be able to do more with it and be able to, train other people to do more with it or or whatever you know this has been happening since they invented plows for or, <laughs> yeah or wheels think, think of when people were worried about the wheel yeah like, <laughs> taking that, jobs. that's something to fear but now it's like every day not a big deal wheels took jobs from people who yeah they did because it would take because it took used to carry lot, things it took a lot less energy but no it actually created more jobs it, or it created more <laughs> things for people so and that's the thing you got to think about inventions as tools not as, you know, job sappers mm-hmm. and and figure out how do you reposition yourself so that you use that tool effectively. Exactly. Which is the, the cool way to handle it. Yeah. I think it comes down to mindset and and you know, you it's totally fine just to have a job where you just casually work and you don't think about improving or growing or anything like that. Um, but you probably will get replaced by robots if you have that mentality <laughs> eventually because most of those jobs are very low skill, low value jobs. You know, flipping burgers or checking p- out people at a, or, you know, or helping people at a at a restaurant or waiters. Yeah, those jobs are going to get replaced. But there's going to be new jobs created that will maybe take a little bit more skill or whatever. You just have to adapt, I think, and change. Yep. Okay, I got a question for you. Um, I think we should do a quick thing where uh, we put this question out there and we ask each other. So it's, what's something you think would be obvious to automate in my industry? So how this is going to work is. I'm going to tell you something I think you should automate, but you're going to tell me why it can't be automated. And then you'll do the same to me. So I think in your industry, you're in videography. Most obviously, the thing that we should be automating is editing and like also color grading video because it's such a robotic (laughs) process. You do this over and over Uh and sound balancing. Uh All right. Tell me, why are you not automating it? (sighs) Well... I think there's no, I don't think they have, there isn't that technology available yet. I could probably do some research and there's, maybe there's some. So do you think it would be worth automating? Is it, is oh, it a, is uh, it so much of an art that it should not be automated? 
I don't know about that. That's that is an incredible amount of of um like processing power and artificial intelligence that would have to do that. I guess it probably can. I don't see how it could right now, but like how does a how does a uh, editor pick the best drone footage? Well, you right. have opinions about what the better drone footage is. Yeah. What if the computer puts out the exactly. worst product ever? It picks all yeah. the wrong spots. Well, they already do that. Like when my drone, you fly up, you get footage, and then it automatically edits a little video with the drone footage you got, and it tries to pick out different shots that it thought was good. And it's actually kind of cool, but oftentimes, you know, it didn't use the best shots. You know, you take a half-hour video yeah. with a drone. Oftentimes, it doesn't use the best shots. It doesn't, you know, doesn't use the smoothest shots, whatever. And you can always go in and you can find, okay, this shot was definitely better than the robot. You know, and, and the thing with like sound balancing and stuff, all that has, it's like the human ear. Like, okay, how is this, the, the audio of the voice balanced with the music? And it has to be like just right or, or something's going to sound off. But I think, you know what, I, it probably will eventually become automated. That would be amazing. You could just, you could literally take a whole bunch of footage, type in a couple things like keywords or categories, how you want the video to be. And in like a split second, just boom, boom it's just out. E- edited video. So your job would change where you would be the person sourcing the new video and that would be your exclusive job. And then you would get quicker results. And so the key becomes what kind of video do you give the algorithm becomes the better thing. Yeah, but the thing is then then anybody could make a professional video. Well, they'd still have to film the video. Um, but, you know, cameras are going to, phone cameras are going to get better. In probably five years, 10 years, uh, the average person's video from their phone will look as good as a DSLR camera right now. And then there'll be like an auto editing thing where boom, you can make a super professional video. So, so you're scared? No, because what will happen is in, within a few years, five years, you know, my company, I'm since I'm leading ahead of what everybody else is, I'll, I'll, as long as I keep working consistently, I'll always be ahead of the curve and I'll always see the next thing. There's always going to be something uh-huh. better, newer, better, more advanced to, to do. So Adapting like this book talks about. It's all about supply and demand, and that determines whether something's valuable. If it's, there's going to be something that pe- that average people won't be able to do. And so, if you have skill, special skills, keep developing your skills, then you can create something of value. And right, yeah. okay, your turn. What do you think I should be automating that I'm not, or that you wonder why I'm not automating it? Hmm, I don't know too much about software coding, but um, why can't the um software like create itself why isn't there a big system like an ai robot that no you tell it what to do like we need software that does this this and this and the robot just automatically makes the coding everything for the specific task (laughs) so good question uh i there's parts of this that happen so some code that you write automatically gets created like um we use uh what we call um intelligent design editors ides to write our code in. And what they do is they know different code languages. And like, let's say I want to make a function. It puts in all the syntax I need to create a basic function, but doesn't put anything in the function. And it's my job to populate it. Or let's say I create an object um, in code that would be like, I have a car that has a year, make, and model. And if I assign the object car with year, make, and model, it will create those properties for that object for me to access from other parts of the code for me, which is handy. But it doesn't know what I want to do with the year making model. I have a lot more magic. I have to work separate from that myself. Couldn't there be, so you do software for drones. Um, couldn't there just be 
this AI that you just tell it, okay, I want this drone to have a flap switch to lower the flaps, and 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 I want it to fly eighty miles an hour. So how does an AI know what flaps are? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pre-programmed so (laughs) and then there's the limitations yeah and it creates all the code for the entire machine tested automatically works out the bugs automatically everything ah that would be nice (laughs) the problem is it would take a long time to develop this but i think it starts with how do you automate the small things you're doing in code and then work your way up to the point where you figure out what patterns of smaller things are then medium things then big things and at that point you can write automated code but we're certainly not there yet hmm. Interesting. so yeah surprisingly i can't make my code write itself yet <laughs> but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode on reinventing jobs uh, i'd say the book was okay like I, i'm not i wasn't thrilled by the whole book except the process it laid out was really good i, I wouldn't recommend like buying the book and reading it but just listen to this because you get the nuggets that were important and I suffered through the you know, <laughs> many pages of no notes trying yeah. to find these principles. And I suffered through watching uh, multiple video summaries of the book, which were actually kind of interesting. So. Yeah. <laughs> no. But we hope you enjoyed this episode. And to find more like this, all you got to do is tap subscribe and you'll get a new one like this delivered to you every single week. And if you um, like our podcast and you listen to the episodes a lot... It would mean a lot to us if you if you uh, left a review on iTunes for the podcast. That would help yeah. us out, and uh, we'd appreciate it. That would be awesome. So thank you for listening, and see you next time.